This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. So we do the full procedure turn for runway six. We're at 2,200 feet. And then basically after we'd completed that procedure turn and had lined up, there was just this thunderous bang. It sounded like a a bomb went off in the the cockpit. And then it just got really loud and, and windy. Welcome to another edition of There I Was, a podcast where we put you in the cockpit with pilots in demanding situations and we learn how they flew out of them. I'm your host, Richard McSpadden. Today's guests are father and son duo, Chris and Michael Easton. They're both general aviation pilots. Michael, the son, is IFR rated with about 370 or so GA hours, and his dad, who learned to fly in New Zealand, has been flying about 2,100 hours. He's also IFR rated. They're gonna share a story with us today about flying their SR-22 on an IFR route down the eastern seaboard that had a dramatic ending. Chris, Michael, thanks so much for joining us on the There I Was podcast. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. So Chris and Michael, let's set this up. You guys were headed down on what looked like a beautiful flight. Michael, I think you were the pilot flying this leg. You were going to take the opportunity to get a little hood time with your dad flying safety in the right seat. Seemed like a, a great flight down the eastern seaboard. What happened? Yeah, so um, it was a beautiful VFR day, basically not a, a cloud in the sky and, and not much wind. And so we left Bedford, Massachusetts with a, a nice IFR plan, um, you know, cleared over the top of, of JFK, which was you know, a nice view for basically everyone but me being under the hood. <laughs> and then um, got a, you know, a nice coastal route along New Jersey and then around Philadelphia, where we picked up the approach into November 5-7, New Garden. Great. And I think you told me you had your wife in the backseat with your 13-month-old son, right? Yep. It was a, a full plane. So we're fuel at, at tabs, you know, make sure we have plenty of fuel for the flight, plus any deviations that may have been needed. But thankfully, it was a nice weather. So we were expecting to, to get there without any issues. Uh, so yeah, wife in the, the backseat with my 13-month-old, then uh, father in the right seat. Great. So uneventful flight down. And I think you shared you get set up to fly the approach into runway 24. Is that the approach you were headed into? It was actually uh, runway six, I believe. Runway six. Yep. Okay. Okay, great. So great. So you, everything's going well, nice, smooth flight down there. And then as you get closer, you get set up to fly the uh, RNAV approach into runway six at New Garden. What happened? So we do the uh, full procedure turn for runway six. So that starts 
at Delta, where you do a, a hold, we're at 2,200 feet for that procedure turn. Uh, we're flying with the autopilot coupled to, to make that procedure turn and then proceed inbound. And then basically after we'd completed that procedure turn and had lined up almost crossing Delta, there was just this thunderous bang. It sounded like a, a bomb went off in the, the cockpit. And then it just got really loud and, and windy. Not quite sure, you know, what happened in, in those moments, but kind of looked up from, uh, you know, took the, the foggles off and uh, saw that there was just a, a giant gaping hole in the windshield and a bird plastered basically at the top of the windscreen where it meets the, the fuselage. Oh, wow. So where were you on the approach as you came down in? Uh, so we were right around Delta. So we're about 10 miles from runway six inbound at 110 knots. Okay, I got you. So you're established inbound on the approach just inside of Delphi. So you're just a little bit over 2,000 AGL. And the next thing you know is just out of nowhere, this loud noise in the cockpit, and then suddenly all, all hell breaks loose there with probably wind and everything else. What happened? How long, you know, what was your immediate reaction to that? So immediate reaction was, you know, make sure everyone's okay. And that started with doing a, a quick self-check. Uh, I could smell blood, you know, in my nose. And then, you know, when you touch your face a little bit, there was blood all over my uh, my hands as well. I wasn't sure if my nose was broken or what was going on there. But, you know, I could still see fine and, and breathe. And, you know, the adrenaline had, had kicked in, so I didn't really feel much pain at that point. Did you pretty much know it was a bird right away? I mean, after just a couple seconds, you kind of figured that out? Yeah, when the uh, the birds plastered at the basically at the top of the windshield, <laughs> it was yeah. it was pretty obvious, um, you know, what it was. And you know, after doing a, a quick check of, of everybody else, making sure you know my dad was okay, my wife and, and child in the back seat were, were all good. Intention turned right back to flying the aircraft and reached forward and pulled the the bird, um, you know, from my view and uh, just dropped it at my my feet. Oh, it was wow. Definitely a weird experience, kind of putting your hand through the windshield yeah. um, in front of you and kind of having it go out into the, the airstream and then prying this bird that's, you know, wedged at the, the top of the windshield off. Yeah. But you had foggles on. So I'm just trying to go back to the peacefulness inside of a, a luxurious SR 22 cockpit is suddenly shattered. You've got foggles on. Now there's smell and feathers and blood and. I mean, I just want to go back through, it's probably a good thing you had foggles on, I'm guessing. Yeah, I would probably be blind today if I didn't have those foggles on. I was also wearing a, a hat as well at the time, and I think both of those protected me to keep my sight. So meanwhile, after that initial impact, Chris, w what are you doing? Well, my initial impression was, you know, did we just have, did we just lose a piston out of the engine or something like that the the engine uh, the plane had just come out of maintenance and uh, had some cylinder work done and I thought oh yeah, god if we have we lost a cylinder or something but it became pretty obvious with the bird basically protruding into the cockpit and the shattered windscreen and a huge hole directly in front of of Michael what the issue was and there was no real change in the in the engine or anything like that. It's just a lot of noise and this huge hole in the windscreen and, and looking over at Michael, you know, he's just covered in, in blood. 
And my side of the windscreen was severely cracked. And, you know, I thought that was going to cave in next. So I sort of put my hand up for that and, and asked Michael if he's okay. And I think he was, he still had the foggles on at that point, you know, trying to figure out what had happened. And I, I sort of recall he said, I guess I should take the foggles off. And I said, I think that would be a good idea. So I think being coupled on the autopilot on the approach meant at that point in time, we didn't have to worry about flying the plane or who was flying the plane. So I asked him, you know, is he okay? And he said, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I was curious about that. So you were flying a coupled approach and the autopilot stayed engaged after the impact? Uh, yes. yes, it did. Okay. I was monitoring the local traffic. There were two in the pattern. So, you know, a safety pilot I had my eyes outside of the cockpit and uh, checking where the traffic was. There was a, sounded like a student who was in the, in the pattern. And uh, there was also somebody on the downwind. So we had not yet been handed over from Philadelphia. We, we'd been cleared for the approach and we were inbound. And I could hear Philly trying to get hold of us at that point. Over the noise of the, of, of the wind in the cockpit, it was very hard to hear anything. Yeah, I would think. What was the weather? Was it an issue at all? No, it was a beautiful PFR day. Not a cloud in the sky. Okay, yeah. Very light winds. Yeah, okay. I guess it was a day after, you know, there'd been a lot of rain and um, wet weather in that area, I think for several days, which might have factored into the spurred strike. Mm, gotcha. So now that you were inside the initial approach fix, sort of approaching uh, Zixis, your final approach fix there, what was your decision there? Did you decide to climb and sort of check this thing out, or did you figure you're okay and you better get this airplane on the ground? What was the thinking? It was mainly, let's get this airplane on the ground as quickly as we can. You know, the, the plane was still flying well. You know, the hole in the windshield didn't really affect the performance of it um, at all. You know, we still had good power from the engine. And um, one of the biggest things was the wind kind of ripping through the, the cockpit was, you know, starting to peel the, uh, the top of the interior of the plane apart, you know, kind of bending down that, that top panel and yeah. um, definitely didn't want to fly around for much longer. Because you were, you were probably doing, what, 120 knots or so when you hit the bird? Uh, we're doing a 110. Okay. In the the strikeout. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty windy at that point. <laughs> yeah, I would I would guess. So. We were configured. Uh, <laughs> we were slowed down and configured for approach a standard sort of approach in a Cirrus, which is 50% flaps and about 110 knots that far out. Okay. So that was I think fortunate, rather than hitting the bird at a lot the higher speed. Yeah, Michael, I'm thinking it's fortunate that the bird didn't impact just a few inches lower and the whole thing didn't come inside and hit you in the face. That, that could have been substantially more difficult for you, I think. Yeah, yeah I'm very fortunate to walk away with this with you know cuts and bruises. But as it was, uh, even if the bird didn't necessarily impact me, you know, the plexiglass shards flying at my face and, and torso were pretty solid. Um, so I had my iPad uh, on my lap, uh, you know, I was running for flight on the way down there. Uh, and, you know, the screen of that was completely cracked. My iWatch, uh, you know, screen of that was completely shattered. And then I had my writing notepad on my other leg. So mm -hmm. yeah, walked away with some, some pretty good bruises. 
but yeah, not having <laughs> the 20 something pound bird fly at me and, and hit me as well was definitely, uh, definitely helpful. So Michael, any injuries to your wife and your son in the back, your, your dad mentioned that, you know, your wife was kind of freaking out about this, which understandable, especially somebody who's probably not a pilot. So tell us about that and their reaction, how you were handling that. Yeah, I'd say, you know, she was surprisingly calm. Um, <laughs> um, her initial impression when we gathered and, and talked afterwards was that I'd been, you know, fully scalped, just given the amount of blood and, and gore in the, the cockpit. So she was you know, very concerned for my well-being. Oh, she thought that was your blood, not the bird's blood. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty hard to, to tell. You know, our blood was kind of mixed up at that point. But, you know, there was a big streak of blood down the top of the interior, you know, right around my head. So, you know, she was a little concerned, you know, looking at that from the back right seat from her perspective. But yeah, no no injuries to her or Charlie. So I'm fortunate for that. Just some gore and, and feathers and uh, plexiglass shards that just got circulated all around the cockpit that were still pulling out a few hours even after we landed on the ground. Yeah. And thankfully, no harm to Charlie. He's sort of completely oblivious or did he have an issue with all the noise and the wind and the chaos? It was probably a little confused about the noise, but yeah, he was very chill during the whole thing. So that made the whole situation a little bit easier, not having crying or, or screaming in the back seat. So I was able to fully focus on aviating our, our way onto the ground safely. Yeah. I think Lindsay's uh, main concern besides Michael being scalped was, you know, are we going to crash? Yeah. And uh, sort of I had to sort of assure her that, uh, no, we're okay. You know, plane's still flying. So we're just going to land that. And I think that settled her down as a, as a non-pilot. Yeah. Because they have no idea, you know, that at that point that uh, things aren't going to get worse. Yeah, so so I'm just trying to, you know, just picture this scene in my mind of how chaotic it got so quickly. And let's go back to the flying piece. The autopilot's still engaged. Chris, you finally take a few seconds, collect yourself, take your foggles off, see through this. Did you guys make a conscious decision to keep flying the approach, keep flying the airplane? Did you change who was the pilot flying now that you had somebody that was, you know, kind of banged up a little bit? Tell us how you handled that. Um, I, I asked Michael, do you want me to take the plane? Are you okay? Do you want me to take the plane? And he says, surprisingly, I, I was quite surprised. He says, no, no, I've got this. You know, and he, at that point in time, he had started to yank the bird out of the windscreen and out of his line of sight. And I said, okay, I'll take the radios and you just focus on getting this on the ground. I could hear Philadelphia trying to get hold of us at that point. But we, you know, I just couldn't hear them clearly. And I had to reach over and, and turn the volume up to full. And I think ask Michael to move his boom mic out of the wind coming in through the hole. And Philly were, I, I think, trying to hand us over to the local traffic at that point. So trying to actually communicate was really my biggest problem at that point and concern about the windshield collapsing in on my side. Uh, which would have made things worse. Mm -hmm. But um, Michael pulled the bird out of the windshield and continued the approach while I handled the radio communication. We, we were already on approach. We were 10 miles out. We had an airport in sight. So let's get it on the ground. Being a pilot is about passion and dedication. 
The early mornings, hours invested, constantly learning procedures and details, there's a lot to do. Membership in AOPA makes doing the groundwork easier so you can get into the sky. With the power of thousands of Pilots United behind you, get access to exclusive resources, practical benefits, and fierce advocacy that helps enhance and protect your freedom to fly. Join us. Visit AOPA.org membership or give us a call at 800-872-2672. Michael, how did you handle that as you're coming inbound through a distorted windshield? How, how were you able to see through the wind coming through at your face? And talk to us about your visibility and how you managed that. Yeah, so one of the good things about being set up on the approach is basically the airport is, is dead ahead of you. So when I took the foggles off, you know, there it was. You know, we had great visibility that day, so you could easily see the, the runway in sight. I kind of joke that I would have wished that my first open cockpit experience was on a old vintage airplane, um, <laughs> not a not an SR twenty two. But yeah, you know, I, I tried to keep my head out of the the flow as as much as possible of the, the wind flow coming through the windshield, just to make it easier to cope and and see. And then to my dad's point, we further down the approach, we're able to basically change the turn the squelch of my mic off or way down so that it wasn't being triggered by the wind quite as much, which just made the the whole situation in the cockpit that much smoother. But yeah, no real issues um, seeing the airport and basically a full VFR landing was a, a little bummed. I wasn't able to to count the approach as a, an IFR approach, but yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I'll, I'll get another one in. Well, you can count it as an emergency approach, though. You know, maybe yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what that's good for, but it's good in our book. You know, so was there traffic in the pattern there locally? How did you handle that since you couldn't hear very well and weren't sure how you were communicating? How'd you work that out? Yeah. So for the traffic okay. side, we could hear before that there was traffic in the pattern. We did split comms as we were doing our procedure turn inbound. So we knew that there was some traffic in the pattern at that point. And then when we had gotten that handoff and were able to, to quiet the mics down, uh, we let everyone in the pattern know that we'd had a, a bird strike. And I think there was one plane that was landing right before us that we had visibility to, but then everyone else in the pattern basically broke off all their pattern work and you know let us land straight in without any issues. Well, wow. and then landing pretty much uneventful. And then how did you handle the airplane from there? You just Is it still there now, or what's the status of the airplane? Um, yeah, yeah, I thought it was one of Michael's better landings, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very, very smooth landing. You'd think that in, in the circumstance that he'd bang it down, but uh, no, it's very smooth. And we, we taxied into in front of the hangar, the maintenance hangar at, uh, at New Garden. And... Uh, I think initially nobody realized what had sort of happened, but the airport manager came out and uh, he had obviously heard what had happened on the on the radio and uh, the plane that was in the downwind who had extended for us had also landed. And so we had quite a crowd by the time we shut down with a plane with a big hole in the windscreen and covered in blood on the exterior of, of the aircraft. The bloodstream went all the way to the tail and uh, coated the tail. So what kind of bird did you hit? It was a juvenile bald eagle from the, the looks of it. Oh, wow. It was pretty well intact. In fact, I believe 
conservation came to collect the bird and dispose of the bird. And it was really interesting that one of the, I think the ground crew said, oh, oh this is the, the second bird strike in, in a week at this airport. And the last guy got hit by a, a goose, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. So mm. there appears to be a lot of bird activity in this particular airport or around this airport. Wow, okay. So did the bird hit completely in the windscreen or did part of it get caught up on sort of the top where the windscreen meets the frame? Or is that windscreen strong enough that it, it prevented the bird from coming all the way through? We think it dove basically you know, straight into the, like the middle of the, the windscreen seems to be where it hit. And then it basically, you know, rode up to the top mm. just due to the, the wind force. I mean, it 110 knots it's kind of split second between the length of the windshield thinking about it that way so yeah we, we don't think it hit the prop just because it was only one bang it wasn't bang bang yeah or any any changes to the engine performance before or after or anything like that so we're thinking that it basically kind of dove on from above and that was out of the, the sight picture of my dad you know who was looking around for for bird traffic as well as, you know, airplane traffic and everything else, because you don't really expect a, a bird to come crashing down through the windshield above. Yeah. yeah top left, I think, is the best area of, of impact. In fact, it went uh, about two inches into the fuselage ceiling. So that's after Michael had pulled the bird out, there were still feathers stuck in the fiberglass two inches in from the where the windshield meets the, uh, the fuselage. Mm. So mm. It, it had quite a quite a bit of impact, but it was um, definitely on on the pilot side. Yeah. Well, man, that was a dramatic end to an otherwise uh, peaceful, enjoyable flight. Well, congratulations on just being able to collect yourself so quickly and continue and get the airplane on the ground. Yep. Yeah. Just go back to the fundamentals of aviate, navigate, communicate. Yeah. What do, what do you share as you look back on this, Michael and Chris in the right seat? What kind of lessons learned do you take away from this? Uh, well, that's, I think you rack your brains and you say, you know, was this avoidable? I don't, you know, I don't think it is. I, I Certainly, I'm a lot more aware of, of birds. Through my career, I've run across birds and they always seem to dive out of the way. And at 2,200 feet on a published instrument approach, it's the kind of last thing that you expect because normally birds are 800 feet, you know, surface to 800 feet, uh, 1,000 feet, but uh, 2,200 feet is um, higher than expected. So I, I think some of the takeaways are, you know, after bad weather where the birds have been grounded effectively, you should expect more bird activity and, you know, just be aware if you're going into a, an airport like New Garden, which is in the farmlands of Pennsylvania, that there could be a lot of birds in the vicinity, as indicated by, you know, having two bird strikes in one week at that same airport. So my takeaways are definitely you want to be more aware of bird activity and expect it at a higher altitude, particularly if there's bald eagles involved. I think that because this was a juvenile, uh, maybe he had less flight time than the average bald eagle, so perhaps he was not used to aircraft. But uh, I, I would say if you've got an opportunity to maybe check out the air, airfield, maybe call them and ask them if there's bird activity, 
would be my takeaway and, and fly higher for most of your flight. But look out for birds after some bad weather and fly in the day after they've been grounded for an extended period of time. They seem to be more active. Yeah, and I would say there's just a great lesson learned there about being able to maintain your composure and focus on the critical elements like Michael did, flying the airplane in spite of you know this nice peaceful morning you've got going just being instantly shattered and not making too much of it or too and overreacting or too little of it and not reacting enough. And it sounds like, Michael, something inside you just played that well, read the situation right and continued on. Yeah, and fortunately it's not the first time I've had a situation like this. I race um, Formula 18 catamarans competitively and I've had a few occasions where the mast will break in half or things go sideways pretty quickly. And so being able to debug that and you know, everything kind of goes quiet for, for lack of a better term. You just really focus on on what's important. Definitely help me in this situation. Getting back to the the fundamentals of you still got to fly the plane. And then, you know, what's your, your next best option? And panic isn't going to do anything good here. So let's just manage ourselves through it. I think the other thing too is that, you know, you don't have time to think. You just, you, your training just kicks in, doesn't it? So getting the plane on the ground as quickly as possible was probably the first first reaction. I think the other lesson would be, I kind of have this policy of putting the most experienced, qualified person in the right seat if I'm flying. So even though you might have, you know, if you've got a pilot that you're flying with and some other passengers, you're better off to have the pilot in the right seat rather than have a, an unqualified passenger and, and have the pilot in the back seat. He's not going to be able to give you much help in an emergency. That's sort of something I, I try to practice. Yeah, a couple other lessons learned is, you know, wearing sunglasses and hat for uh, you know, not only sun protection, but also face protection. And I think the, uh, the foggles saved my eyes and you know, you never know when something like this is going to happen. So now I usually wear some sort of, uh, of eye protection when I'm up flying, you know, Cetabria or other planes. And you can just, you know, switch out the, the lenses for, for what's appropriate. And then another couple of lessons would be in making sure everyone's briefed. I had some pretty good long talks um, with my wife after that trip about getting her more comfortable and trained in whatever situation, if uh, myself and uh, my dad were out of commission, you know, how she would be able to communicate because she doesn't have a push to talk with ATC. And, you know, she knows about caps and, and the serifs um, and, and how to do that, but, you know, be able to radio for help and, and the rest of it. You know, she doesn't have any knowledge or, or training in that area. So about passenger briefings a little bit to uh, bring the passengers along uh, just in case there is an issue. Yeah, and of course, so nice to have that caps for that, you know, very rare scenario where something like that would happen, where she would have that available. Well, guys, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. An interesting story and a dramatic end, but uh, well handled. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Richard. It's been great to chat with you, and hopefully this helps others. Thank you very much for having us. Well, there's a dramatic ending to what was a pretty casual flight up to that point. And it sounds like they handled it well and got the airplane on the ground safely. We can all think through and imagine what it would be like for the wife in the backseat, not understanding flying and not really understanding what's going on and seeing her husband with 
blood all over him and not realizing it's the bird. So I can gather why she would be in distress back there. But they handled it well, got the airplane on the ground, and we're thankful they did. Thanks for joining us on this edition of There I Was. Alongside our producer, David O'Leary, I'm your host, Richard McSpadden. Until next time, fly safe. Hey, listeners, if you like these podcasts and you'd like to help us continue providing them, please consider a donation to help our efforts. Go to aopafoundation.org slash donate. That's aopafoundation, all one word, dot org slash donate. And thanks for your support. There I Was is produced by the AOPA Air Safety Institute. If you'd like to hear other episodes, submit comments, or submit your own story to potentially be featured on the show, please visit airsafetyinstitute.org slash there I was. Thanks for listening.